high and the mighty will fall. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Wall of Power Radio Hour. This is your host, Paul Metzen. We have a most fascinating guest tonight from Nashville with two of his buddies. Mr. Eddie Pleasant is a legendary Nashville songwriter. He's been in the music biz longer than most of us have been alive. He's got stories to tell. He's written songs for Hank Williams Jr., Hank Williams III, Kitty Wells, Farron Young, Lefty Fazell, to name just a few. We're speaking to him. He's at the Mabel Carter Center in Nashville, and he's with two friends of mine, uh, an old buddy of mine, Billy Alcorn, who went down to Nashville 25 years ago as a songwriter. Now he runs Alcorn Custom Case, making custom road cases for everybody from Metallica to Stevie Wonder to the Osborne Brothers and more. With him is another Minnesota musician named C.J. Udine, whose dad was a legendary pedal steel player. CJ's been playing with Gary Allen for years. And with them is their very good friend who they got just moved into the Mabel Carter Center, the phenomenal Eddie Pleasant. Eddie, how are you tonight? I'm doing great. Doing great listening to you, Paul. You're a good talker. I used to I used to talk on radio a lot. I put T-shirts on the front of every show and in the middle of every show. And uh, I talk like you're doing now. But you're doing a good job of it. Well, thank you. I appreciate your support, Eddie. Uh, there's so much to talk about. But the, when I was reading some of your bio uh, on, the, uh, on the interweb, I see that you are actually a relative of Elvis Presley. I'm a first cousin of his, my, his uh, grandpa, my grandma was brothers and sisters. My mama's folks come from Tupelo, Mississippi, and I was like, given it 24 years. They fell off that mountain, you know, in 1975, and uh, Buddy Lee had us working Billy Thundercloud, and we were working at Elvis the next year when he died. I seen Colonel Parker one time, and I seen Elvis one time. But if he hadn't died in August when he did, the next year we was opening on all his shows. And I turned down Garth Brooks. They begged me to do Garth Brooks 30 years ago. He's the biggest ever been. I turned down Reba, Garth Brooks, and Rascal Flats. They all wanted to go. But I would have been with Elvis if he hadn't died. He's a cousin to me. That helps any. Yeah, yeah, Paul, uh, this is CJ here. What Eddie's basically referencing there is... They were working with Eddie was Hank Williams Jr.'s right hand man for probably twenty four years. Twenty four years. Wow. And the next year that Elvis passed away, that year was a seventy seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Hank Jr. was was scheduled to be the opening act with the Elvis Presley show. So he his chance to meet Elvis and Colonel Tom was that year in Vegas where they kinda came to see uh, Hank Jr. and finalized some of those details for that tour for 1978. Wow, thanks for that background info, CG. Now, Billy Alcorn, you and I are, are in touch very uh, fairly regularly, and uh, our guest, our special guest, Eddie Pleasant, who we're speaking with tonight from the Maybell Carter Center in Nashville, you brought him up about 10 days ago. You do a great imitation of uh, Mr. Eddie Pleasant, and I said, boy, I'd love to meet that man, so I'm talking to him for the first time tonight, but uh, tell us a little bit about how you and CJ uh, helped uh, Mr. Pleasant get into the Mabel Carter Center. Tell us a little bit about the Mabel Carter Center down there. 
Well, um, CJ introduced me to Eddie about, like you said, 25 years ago. CJ was out with Hank 3, and Eddie was out with Hank 3 um, as the T-shirt guy. And uh, Eddie's a legendary T-shirt guy as well as a songwriter. He's sold, actually, uh, some, uh, rumor has it that he sold the very first T-shirt ever sold. <laughs> and that's, that's uh, probably the truth. Um, but anyway, uh, as far as getting Eddie, uh, CJ called me one day, uh, the first part of August, saying that Eddie was in trouble, that he had been left off. Um, uh, the social services people called it a dumping. He had been left off at a ho- at a uh, hospital, and um, and wheeled in and just left, and um, and he didn't have a place to live. Uh, and CJ said, "What are we going to do?" Well, I was on my deck, and uh, my wife's friend Jan said, "Well, let me call up Carlene Carter and see if there's a room." an apartment at the Maybell Carter Center. I'd never even heard of the place, but Johnny Cash built this place for uh, Mother Maybell, his uh, his mother-in-law, uh, June Carter's mother, Maybell Carter. The From the Carter family, Carter. sure. Yeah, but anyway, so then um, we called here, and they um, pulled some strings uh, via Carlene and uh, got Eddie in here. And we had to go through all the COVID protocol and all that, but we got him in right away. And um, and and thank God, um, some great uh, foundations in Nashville came to his rescue. And which ones um, were they, Billy? Let's let's uh, recognize that, them. I'm going to hand that off to CJ because CJ composed a marvelous letter that kind of put um, Eddie's thing into perspective. And it is a sad story. I mean. Um, there, well, we don't, know, and uh, we don't have to get into the the details. Yeah, other than and I'm that. not going to go into the. Yeah, I'm not going to go into the details of it. But um, it's uh, it, it, he was in a in a bad bad spot. And TJ uh, CJ will take it from here. Yeah, well, the Music Cares Foundation and the Opry Trust Foundation um, looked at Eddie as basically an ideal candidate, and they really stepped up and they came up with a big chunk of money to take care of Eddie for the first year here. And they really stepped up with, with Eddie, and it was a situation where we just couldn't be happier. And, and now where we're at is Eddie went from a place where he was in dire straits, but now when you're talking to Eddie, he really found a, a spot where he's really happy, and he's been writing songs. How many songs would you say a day you are writing? About three every night. <laughs> I, say, I think three a night for some reason. I write two or three of them every night. Eddie Pleasant. I'm 50 in the drawer here now. Eddie Pleasant, how many songs have you written in your lifetime? 5,000. Wow. I've got, got two file cabinets here full. But one more, one thing you might want to know, in the old days, long time ago, Jim Reeves and Hank Sr. was the two biggest country acts out there. And uh, Hank Sr. Uh, uh, was... Jim Reeves recorded the Lonesome Waltz and was recording 2 a.m. and he got killed in an airplane crash. But I lived in Waco back then. I could call Jim Reeves and talk to him. He's one of the biggest acts out there back then. One of my but dad's I favorites. I see him one day, went to his house, and Bud Logan, the bass player, said, Jim here, no, nope, he's out of town. About that time, Jim walked downstairs. Come on in, Eddie. <laughs> and uh, he's playing Billy Bob one time in Fort Worth. 
Hey, Eddie Clinton's in the crowd. And Jim Reeves was one of the biggest acts out there back then, but he, if he'd lived, he would have done some more songs for me. Eddie also, uh, sorry to interrupt, Eddie's also grew up with Willie Nelson. They grew up how, how far? Oh, he, he's from Albert, Texas, and I'm from Waco, which is 17 miles apart. We played that county line when we was in our 20s. And, uh, I played the college in in Waco, a club, for 17 years straight. And if he wasn't working on Saturday night, he'd come set in. Ooh, I'd hate to see him come in, because I strictly Bob Wills on the beat, and Willie is off the beat, you know. I'd hate to hear that off beat. I never dreamed Willie would be big. Look how big he is today. <laughs> Eddie, and, that's it. and what Eddie's talking about there, Paul, is Eddie was playing drums in this band. Mm-hmm. And him and Willie grew up together. Eddie was straight on the beat with, with the Bob Wills style. Sure. And Willie would come in and sing offbeat, and it was just a, a train wreck for Eddie. And Eddie didn't play the drums, uh, he played the drum, uh. <laughs> I worked out for two years playing drums with me, Stoney Cooper, and I've done, I've done TV shows. Hank Henry recorded uh, uh, the song we done on TV, the Lonesome Ballad, and uh, I've, I've done it. He'd do the harmony on Richmond Ballad Breeze. I've done a little bit of thing, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we're going to get into these stories on the Wall of Power Radio Hour. My guest, uh, my very special guest, Mr. Eddie Pleasant tonight with his Minnesota buddies, Billy Alcorn and C.J. Udine. We are going to listen to a song that uh, my guest, Eddie Pleasant, wrote, uh, covered by no other than Hank Williams III. This is called Devil's Daughter. We'll be back for three more sets with Eddie Pleasant and the boys. Well, if the devil's got a daughter, I've got her in my arms. She drinks gin and water when she hears those along the country songs. So howl all night long. Well, she Welcome back to the Wall of Power Radio Hour. This is your host, Paul Metzen. I hope you're enjoying this show tonight as much as I am. We've got the great legendary songwriter and true Nashville uh, country music character, Eddie Pleasant, on tonight with his buddies from Minnesota who live in Nashville, C.J. Udeen and Billy Alcorn. Now, Mr. Pleasant, tell us about, uh, according to when you do a little research on your fine self, you sold one of the first concert T-shirts in about 1967. Everybody listening tonight has at least one concert T-shirt in their drawer. How did that start? Well, uh, Buddy Lee started. He got the idea. A long time ago, all they had was a little something on the back of a T-shirt. At the end of the show, the band would sell T-shirts. Buddy Lee come up with the idea. He was managing Hank Jr. back then. 
He said if we put a picture on the front, I believe that'll sell. Well, by Buddy Lee had had the picture put on the front, and in Atlanta on Thursday night, I was the first one to gross a hundred thousand dollars in one night, <laughs> and uh, and whether I was the first one to put a picture on T-shirt and make it a business, they all do it now. But I wanted to put a trailer behind the bus to haul T-shirts. Oh no, no, no! They all do it now. Every bus here <laughs> got a trailer full of T-shirts, and I wanted to do that back then. But that was how it come about. Buddy Lee started it. And it worked. Well, on the first day, we went to Louisiana trying that out. And uh, uh, Buddy Lee bought me a cowboy hat. And he bought me a pair of boots. I said, hey, I can't pay that back. I was getting $35 a day working with Will Meese, Stoney Cooper, playing drums when I went with Hank Jr. And they paid me $50 a day. And I it got to where I was. Oh, shoot. I, after that, I got up to where I was making Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. But I blowed it and throwed it. I ain't got it today, Paul. <laughs> blowed it and throwed it. I've never heard that. I so love that. Um, so, Eddie, now, I was reading, uh, researching on you, and it said you used to carry the money around in hefty plastic bags. You were making so much of it. Yeah, and I'd go out. I'd, I'd carry it from, I'd go collect that front. And go around the building, around the side of the building, back to the bus. Anybody could have got me. And one time they called. I had the back room of one of the buses the whole time I was there. And uh, one of them called and says, hey, they called me Shuckins back in. They never called my name. Just Shuckins. I don't cuss or drink or smoke. And I'd say, Shuckins, I don't want to do that. And uh, they said, you left a bag of money up here. And a whole bag of money laying up in front of the bus. I forgot to take it to the back room. <laughs> and then Jay Rapley used to bring it to me. He could bring it in. I got that money counter on the bus. He would bring money in faster than I could run it through that counter. That year was hot. He said, one entertainer of the year three times in a row. I was there from the time he was 17, and I was 39 when I started with him. And I was there 24 years. Wow. And I went out with Sammy Kershaw and got fired. I should have went out. See, I was on call 24 hours a day. And people wanted me to go do this 5 o'clock in the morning, midnight, or whatever. You, I'd go you, you're talking about Hank Jr. here. You would be on call yeah. for, for 20, 24 hours a day. If Hank Jr. wanted something at 3 in the morning, Eddie would go out and get it. And, Paul, what he said right there real quick that Eddie said was, at 93 years old, Eddie has avoided to ever cuss in his life. He's avoided any cuss word. He's never taken a drink of alcohol. He's never smoked a cigarette, anything in his entire existence. And that's he kind of referenced that in the middle of that. Hey, Eddie, have you ever been to this Billy here? Have you ever been around any weed smoking? Yeah, tell my girl. <laughs> oh, I tried to get on his bus one time. That's before he got married, of course. That's a long time ago. Who was that? Who, who are you talking about? Yeah, he was Hey, Willie, Willie, done it more than anybody. But, but Tim McGraw, I don't know what he does now. I hey, know you... he's married and got grown, grown <laughs> girls. No, we won't bring Tim into it. But, hey, uh, <laughs> Paul, I think you just broke it here. Willie Nelson smokes weed. Wow. See, that's why, people, that's why people have to listen to Lawala Power Radio to get that breaking news. <laughs> hey, now, now uh, Eddie, I heard... That uh, Ray Price used to be a connoisseur of of the uh, 
of of the exotic wacky tobacco as well. Do you know anything about that? Yeah. Now, I was there when George Strait was nobody, and you know how big he is today. Of course, I was out there when Tim McGraw and all them was nobody. I was out there when Leonard Skinner uh, and uh, Ronnie got killed in an airplane crash, and I heard his daddy tell Johnny, you're going to have to be a singer. I ain't no singer. Well, of course, his daddy's dead now, but Leonard Skinner's still going, and Johnny's still singing. I was there when he when he first when his brother got killed in an airplane case, his daddy told him he had to sing. You know how big Leonard Skinner is? Oh, I yeah. Was there when he started. Hey, Eddie, um, I think Paul was asking about Ray Price. Did you know Ray Price? I've I, I seen him. I met him a few times, and I worked with him some, but I didn't really know him. I just knew him when I saw him and just spoke to him. I didn't really know him that good. Well, we got to talk about Eddie Pleasant tonight because we've got one of the great Nashville songwriters who's written over 5,000 songs. We are going to listen to in a little bit uh, your song that Lefty Frizzell cut called When the Rooster Leaves the Yard. How did you come up with that song, Eddie? Well, man, I was around Lefty Frizzell a lot back then. And uh, when me and him drove to Texas, they had a mountain that they said was gold in. They told the guy in Fort Worth, if you'll remove that mountain, you can have the gold. Me and Lefty drove always to later Texas. And go gold trail to Slater. He was ready to record it, but there wasn't no gold in there. And so on the way back, we got talking about the chickens or something. I said, well, I, I just happened to make a remark. I wonder what goes on the roof or leaves yard. Well, I record that. I wrote it for him. And uh, Charlie McCoy's playing harmonica on the rooster part. And it come out real good when the rooster leaves the yard. It, it was a pretty big record on Lester Zell, but back then I was around him all the time. And that uh, is the great Charlie McCoy playing harmonica, right? Yeah, yeah. I worked with Blink Stoney Cook for two years. Stoney was, we believe he was a boss to Stoney started drinking. And then when Lefty started riding with us and gave him drinking with him, well, when he didn't, I don't say so at all. <laughs> Lefty drank, you know. <laughs> <laughs> We've got well, the... you know, also... Uh, yeah, go ahead, Billy. Off, yeah. Um, Lefty was, um, you know, if you listen to the Lefty on this uh, particular track, think about how much he sounds like Merle Haggard. Oh, yeah, well, Merle that's, loved him. That's the reverse, because... Merle Haggard sounded like Lefty. Lefty was Merle's hero. Right. We have, uh, that was Billy Alcorn, my old buddy. Uh, his buddy, C.J. Uh, Udine, and our star of the show tonight, Eddie Pleasant. We're going to listen to the Lefty Fazell version of Eddie Pleasant's song, When the Rooster Leaves the Yard. Back with these three great gentlemen for two more sets on the Wall of Power Radio Hour. I took a job away from home to make my income grow Cause my baby wouldn't go with me I thought I'd take it slow I waited for her mood to change I wrote till I got time Now I'm wondering what goes on When the rooster leaves the yard A rooster is the king On his yard he sets the pace I'd go back and run mine, but I'm afraid I've been replaced. My baby writes to me, but her words are cold and hard. 
Welcome back to the third set of the Wall of Power Radio Hour. This is your host, Paul Metzen. I'm really enjoying our show tonight. We have the great songwriter and character, Eddie Pleasant, speaking from the Mabel Carter Center down in Nashville with his two good friends and two friends of mine, Billy Alcorn and C.J. Udeen. C.J., tell us how did you meet Mr. Pleasant? Well, it's a funny story. When I got to Nashville, I was fortunate enough to have the Hank third job playing pedal steel. And when I got on the bus, you know, we didn't know anybody and I didn't know, I was new to town from Minneapolis and I was pretty nervous. And when I got on the bus, all these kind of legends that I was aware of were getting on this bus. There was the Bama band's fiddle player named Vern, Vernon Derrick. And, and Vernon was, he had a nickname called the mean fiddler and was really <laughs> famous in Alabama and being in the Bama band. And, what I realized real quickly was Hank Jr. had fired all these guys. And in Hank 3, with his big heart, he decided he wanted to put these guys back to work. Oh, bless so him. I'm sitting on the bus. I'm sitting on the bus, and Hank, and Hank uh, 3 and everybody gets on the bus, and Eddie Pleasant walks on the bus. And he looks around at everybody, and he says, who is the steel guitar player is the only thing I want to know. <laughs> and I raised my hand about as timidly as I could. <laughs> And he just looked at me in disgust and said, why did we not hire Don Helms? He was available. <laughs> and I thought, oh, my God, what have I gotten myself into? But I'll tell you, I saw this guy in action with his vintage Fender amplifier selling T-shirts with a microphone, and I had never seen anything like it, and I absolutely fell in love with this guy and the personality and the character of him. And he has, uh, he has been known to anybody that's ever known this guy is the most generous guy, and in some ways too generous because he's given away a lot of his fortune. Well, I give away a half million dollars in my heyday, but one thing I do want to tell you, Paul, I write anything you give me. I've got 5,000 songs. Can you give me a title? I'll write it for you. I don't care if it's a cow jumps over the moon. I don't care what it is. I'd write any title you give me. Well, Billy Alcorn and I were talking last night. He said you've even tried to push uh, uh, shop a couple of your tunes to hip-hop artists. Is that correct? Oh, yeah, yeah. And I got a letter from California the other day by Mary Hannon. It worked for Jay Williams at uh, William Morris Agency. And I got a letter from her saying, thank you, she's a hip-hop. She likes hip-hop artists. She said she sure missed them songs. I used to drop off at William Morris. She's at the Hollywood office now, and uh, i got to send her something. Yeah, I've got three or four letters from William Morris, different ones uh, that uh, I used to drop songs off for. But I'm 93, but I still get around to be 93, and I can write any title you give me. If you think of something, I'll just, I guarantee you, I'll do it for you. <laughs> well, if anybody out there in the Wall of Power Radio Land has a hookup with Jay-Z or Snoop Doggy Dog, let's uh, hook up Mr. Pleasant with them. Now, Eddie, where did you grow up, and how did you get into music? All right, I'm, I'm born in Wells, Texas, right out of Lufkin. That's East Texas. 
I was born on a Wednesday morning, July 3rd, 1927, at a, a little old bitty farmhouse with a, a country doctor. No, no hospital, just midwife. And uh, it took all weekends for me to be born. I was born on Wednesday. And uh, I went to Mercer Greens. I got married and I was 17 went to Mercer Greens that year. And I, uh, when I got out there in 1946, Congo Waco, my first wife's brother, lived blue denim, making blue denim cloth. And I got there and got to play in clubs in Waco. I played the college gym 17 years straight. And I just started playing from there. I left uh, Waco and come to Nashville in 1967, I guess it was, or 68. And uh, I went out with a guy playing drums on, on the, behind the bar. And then I got with me, Stoney, and they was hoping for Hank Jr. And then he he decided he wanted Black Buddy Lee to start a T-shirt deal. So I just went from Waco to Hank Jr. making, oh, we used 10,000 people a night, and it wasn't nothing to do $100,000. I went from nothing to that. That's how I got started. Wow. Now, Eddie, you also, when you were really rolling in the dough, uh, you owned quarter horses, and I was reading you had a ranch with, what, 25, 26 quarter horses? Yeah, I had 30 acres, and I had 48 head of horses. I had three studs in the barn. And, uh, I, I went to Florida and bred a mare and with a stud down there. She had, all of them took the stepper. Boy, if you've got 40 head of horses with your stepper, you think your neighbors are going to get you? Ooh, I... <laughs> I mean, she finally had a cold, pretty little Palomino stud coat there was. I try and race uh, Palomino's like Roy Rogers. Well, I met Roy Rogers. I went to his studio one time in California, and he just like any other human being. He wasn't on stage, you know, and I met him one time. But uh, I've known a few of them. <laughs> but I, I want to meet you, Paul. Oh, I got to meet you guys. I've got three studs from Nashville on today. Speaking of studs, Billy Alcorn, my old buddy, C.J. Udine, and uh, they're both musicians. And uh, they are introduced me to the great Eddie Pleasant, my special guest tonight. So, Billy Alcorn, tell me your story about the first time you met Mr. Pleasant. Well, like I said, C.J., he uh, introduced me. Uh, Eddie used to live in Hendersonville. That's where I live. And, um, but, uh, yeah, Eddie was, uh, Eddie actually came to work for us. I was working for Andy Griggs, uh, this, uh, um, new artist at the time. And, uh, and we put Eddie to work selling t-shirts, uh, at CJ's, um, at CJ's request. And, uh, that's how I met Eddie. And, and, uh, CJ used to live in a, in a, uh, in a, a, a his his a little carriage house behind um, Eddie's house, um, and uh, and yeah, that's that's it. We, I was always kind of taken by him because he had all these stories, and he was such a good guy. If you want to hear the truth, um, uh, just ask Eddie because he probably, along with never taking a drink or never cussing, he's probably never told a lie. And this is CJ, and sometimes that truth, Eddie, has gotten you in a little bit of trouble because you just cannot tell but the truth, and that's gotten you a little bit of trouble in your time. Yeah, last time I saw Willie was uh, I was uh, a center teacher at Fandy Griggs, and I saw him in Denver last time I saw Willie Nelson. 
long time ago. But uh, I've got a picture here, me and Willie and him. Uh, his sister, you know, she's still with him. She still plays piano with him. They was raised in Albert. Their parents, grandparents raised them. But I've got a picture here of me and Willie and Silly, his sister. Uh, I've got a bunch of pictures. I've been around a little bit anyway, Paul, but I'd like to get around and see you. Oh, I'd love to get down there and see you. Now, um, Eddie, I heard a story when I was doing a little research on you, and then... Uh, I'm not going to say who confirmed it. Did you take a, a guy that looked like Hank Williams Jr. out on the road to sign autographs, but wasn't Hank Williams Jr.? Yeah, he. Uh, I've known him since before he was born. I was there when he was born, and when he was growing up, he'd help me sell T-shirts. And when Hank Jr. got on his last song, they'd come to get him, and he'd take off of the money. I said, hey, bring that money back here. He said, that's my commission. He'd keep all he took in. <laughs> but, but hey, um, Ed, keep all he took hey, in. Hey, yeah, Four Eddie, three. he's talking about the guy that you took around to the county fairs the year that Hank Jr. took off. Remember the Hank Jr. lookalike? Oh, I took the bus. I took both buses and went all over the South. I had Aaron Boswell to sound like Hank Jr. I had... Uh, Another one that looked like Hank Jr. <laughs> I thought it would really pay off. I rented spot parking buses and let somebody come on them. They didn't nobody want to come on them buses without the star was there. Jesse Dawson, man, he looked just like Hank Jr. And Aaron Boswell sang like Hank Jr. But they wanted Hank Jr. They didn't want no bus or me. I lost thousands of dollars on that. I kept it out there two weeks going all over the South and both buses. So that's... How much did you charge to, you charge to get charge it? Charge $5 dollars I hate to go on the bus and get to it. <laughs> but Hank Jr. told me to bring the buses in. I didn't do it. I kept them another week. <laughs> I could do most anything I wanted to back then. Oh, oh, wow. That's, that's one, of the, greatest, that's one now, of the greatest stories I've ever heard. It's got all this going. I do whatever they say do, Paul. <laughs> so uh, when you were growing up, were you doing six nights a week in these clubs down there in Texas when you were playing drums? No, just weekends, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I got $5 on Friday night, 8 on Saturday, and 5 on Sunday. Wow, now. They get they, Hank Jr. gets two hundred thousand a day now, plus T-shirts another hundred thousand, fifty to hundred thousand. But now I played college in seventeen years, just Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. What was the the name of that band when Willie Nelson would walk in? And was that your band? Oh yeah, Double Eagle Boys, Eddie Pleasant and the Double Eagle Boys. Yeah. Now, Benny, uh, back then, Willie Nelson worked for his brother-in-law, Bud Fletcher. He's dead now, but Benny was a guitar player. He was uh, he wasn't the singer he is today. He played the guitar with his uh, brother-in-law, his sister's husband, and uh, that's all been a long time ago. But I've been in it all my life ever since I was twenty years old. Wow, hey, Eddie, I was I was just trying to remember. You told me when you were telling me about your Merchant Marine days when you were at sea. Tell them what happened, what you heard over the radio. Oh, uh, wait. See, the, the war was going on full strong, and uh, we was four days from Ulysses to Japan. We was two days out when the war was over. The only reason it was over 
Mike Oster uh, shot an atomic bomb on Japan. Truman said, you're fired. Well, uh, Mike Oster said, well, if I'm fired, I'll shoot another one. He shot another atomic bomb on Japan and ended the war. But we were two days from Japan. If he hadn't ended that war like that, I'd been right in the middle of it. I wouldn't be here today. They were going to raid Japan from the air and the sea and the land at the same time. I was in a big convoy from Ulysses to Japan when the war was over in 1946. Uh, I was in there a year, but if I, if Coffter had to drop that atomic bomb, I wouldn't be here today. <laughs> wow. MacArthur. <laughs> Eddie Pleasant, uh, thank you for your service. And uh, we are going to listen to it. You know, I have to think you've got a little uh, faith in a greater power. And we're going to listen to a song you wrote that Hank Jr. Uh, recorded called Jesus Love the Devil Out of Me. And we'll be back one more set with the great Eddie Pleasant and uh, Billy and CJ. Jesus loved the devil out of me. Jesus loved the devil out of me. When he took me by the hand, oh, Satan just gave up and ran. Jesus loved the devil out of me. Life for me was filled with sin and shame. And the devil had a plan to claim my name. But just before I crossed the eternal line, Jesus said, no, Satan, this one's mine. Jesus loved the devil out of me. Yes, my Jesus, Jesus loved the devil out of me. When he took me by the hand, old Satan just gave up and ran. Jesus loved the devil out of me. No will to live, my future looks so cold. The devil stood there waiting for my soul. I think of a million sweethearts But only one I could own Today your life is music And famous they say you will be we just heard our guest, the great Mr. Eddie Pleasant. This uh, is Paul Metz, the host of the Wall of Power Radio Hour. Eddie, you are such a fascinating character, such a great storyteller, a wonderful human being. I want to have this be kind of a semi-regular event here on the Wall of Power Radio Hour. You have an open door to my radio show anytime you feel like it. How does that sound? Uh, I'll tell you one more story. I worked Merle Haggard a lot back in the old days. Uh, well, the Eubanks had a TV show, and uh, we went in to eat one day at a truck stop, and them girls all all over Eubanks, because he had that TV show, 
And you know how big Merle Haggard was? Yeah. And my, they didn't hardly play Merle Haggard, don't mind. I rode there at Merle Haggard's bus and worked for him for a long time. And uh, it's just, just big as he was, and because uh, Eubanks had a TV show, the girls all over him didn't even look at Merle Haggard. You believe that? <laughs> <laughs> now, who's your best boss, Eddie Pleasant? Who do you enjoy working for the most? Oh, let's see. Who did I like the most? I've been with Sammy Kershaw, Andy Griggs, Ken Mellons. I guess Hank Gilder. I was with him 24 years, but I got along good with Hank Three. I never hear from any of them anymore. I don't know. I worked with Kent Wells eight years. I never hear from him anymore. As, as the world changes, it's just, I mean, music is just not like it used to be. But I keep putting with it anyway, Paul. I appreciate your help on it. And Billy and, and CJ's trying to keep me going here. I might live another year or two. Oh, all you, y'all helping me. You're going to live longer than that. Now, CJ Dean, what is the GoFundMe site? Can people still uh, donate uh, to Mr. Pleasant? We, when, when the folks, the fine people at Music Cares and Opry Trust stepped up, in this COVID times, me and Billy talked extensively about this. We didn't want to ask people for money right now. And due to the, you know, the fact that those organizations really stepped up for Eddie, we, there is no GoFundMe right now. Okay. There is no, we're not asking anybody for any money right now. Um, fortunately, because of, like I say, that those organizations stepped up. So uh, Eddie's good for about a year here right now. And then me and Billy are going to, sit down and figure out what we can do if we have to go back to those organizations or whatnot. But as of right now, Eddie's in good spirits and he's in a good situation. And it's paid up for nine months. They paid it. My social security is 15. This year is 36. So they got the difference. And, and I mean, they were born to pay in Billy, Billy Alcorn. What do you call that? I say music cares. Yeah, but uh, he's, uh, he's in charge. What's that? Power of attorney. Power of attorney. There you go. <laughs> if you need to do anything, call Billy. If you can't get him, call CJ. But Billy's one's got power of attorney. That <laughs> is so... Well, you got to feel pretty lucky, Mr. Pleasant, to uh, fall in with these two good Minnesota boys, huh? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. They both take care of them, and that's good. I write these, if I wasn't writing these old songs, I'd go crazy. Because I look at this room at night. It's dark. And I, I have to get on them old songs. Keep them. Daytime, I look out and see everybody. I can even go downstairs and uh, meet people on the porch. But at night, when I write these songs, I sleep all day. Tell Paul, this is CJ, tell Paul about when you would travel with Hank Jr., like in a convertible Cadillac, and you would drive. Oh, it was Hank Jr. who did that. He was on uh, Opry, and uh, we'd leave going to... Marita Streeter, I don't know, I believe it was. Anyway, I, 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 I was driving when we'd get out because he's shaking hands with the people and waving at them. As soon as we got out of town, he would drive. He drove all the way to Illinois and got within 100 yards of the place where we was going to play and slammed on the brakes. I what in the world wrong? Get over here and drive. What did it look like me driving in? He drove all the way up there. I only drove 100 yards. (laughs) 
You know, I remember I did a show years ago, Eddie Pleasant, with uh, David Allen Coe. I opened up, and David showed up driving his own limousine. It was quite the sight. Yeah, I, I drove, uh, I'd drive all the way to California one time. A bus broke down. I'd drive a limo out there. And I said, man, I'll go to sleep. Hey, here, here, take this aspirin. Well, it wasn't aspirin he gave me. I'll tell you, when I got to California, I wanted to drive some more. Whatever it was he gave me, it sure kept me awake. So the, I, I drove around that building and then run that, that limo into the building. I had to go get it fixed. But uh, I don't know about dope, but anyway, whatever he gave me, it wasn't no aspirin. You know, I got to ask Eddie Pleasant, you've never smoked a cigarette. You've never had a drop of alcohol to your lips. You're 93 years old. You're sharper than a tack. You're, eating, you're writing three songs a day. What kind of advice can you give everybody else out there on how to live such a long and productive life like Eddie Pleasant? Well, they just do what they want to do. I mean, I just didn't want to do that. My folks are religious. My daddy played fiddle. My mom played organ. And uh, they're Pentecostals. Uh, I just was just raised in church. And uh, people just do whatever they want to do. If that's what they want to do. You can't stop them. They just do it. Hmm. <laughs> Are you meeting some good neighbors there at the uh, Maybell Carter Center in Nashville, Eddie? Oh, yeah. There's one girl downstairs, Linda. She's kin to Kitty Wills, a cousin or something, just a kin. She, and, uh, but most of them, I don't know who they are. And uh, one guy, his wife died a while back. He got tired of living by himself and moved in here just so he could be with somebody. Now, I'll go downstairs and sit on the porch out there. They won't let nobody come up here on kind of that virus thing. But I can go downstairs and sit on the porch anytime I want to. Now, Billy, I was talking to Billy Alcorn last night, and he said uh, you're writing songs for a lot of the, the, the uh, cute attendants and nurses there at the center. Oh, Lord, I wrote a bunch of them to nurses. In fact, we just did one to a nurse while ago, two of them, in fact. <laughs> a black one and a white one. I, I write songs to these nurses all the time. I got a drawer full of them. They just have a fit over them. Of course, ain't nothing you record, but they just have a fit over them. <laughs> Makes me feel good to hear them brag on them, knowing they ain't going to get recorded. <laughs> Eddie Pleasant, this has been the most enjoyable night I've had months speaking with you and your buddies Billy Alcorn and C.J. Udine. You have an open door to come back on the Wall of Power Radio or anytime, man. Thank you so much for your time. Appreciate you. Give me a title sometime. Thank you, one, Bob. I sure will, my brother. Thanks for listening to the Wall of Power Radio Hour. The show is produced by Paul Metza, engineered by Patrick Lilia. We'd like to thank our very special guest, Eddie Pleasant. Also, thanks to Billy Alcorn and C.J. Udine for setting it up. I've got a new record out. Follow me at paulmetza.com. Hope everybody's doing well out there. And like my dad used to tell me, remember to be kind and make someone happy.